What's up, everybody? This is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. Today, I am so excited to have Shung from Save My Sense. I'm so happy to have you. I'm so happy to be on here. Thank you, Yanelli, for having me. Of course. Um, so I was actually telling all the girls that I've been um, interviewing is that I was on Instagram doing the Women in Personal Finance series for the month of March for Women's History Month. And then it just like inspired me. I was just like, you know what? Why would I stop just because March is over? Like April is Financial Literacy Awareness Month. So let me just carry that on over into the next month and interview them and hear their voices and get you girls to share your wisdom with everybody listening and watching as well. That's such a great idea. I'm so happy to be part of this movement. Awesome. So um, I first found out about you on Instagram at Save My Sense. I started looking at your posts and I was like, oh my goodness, this girl is awesome. Like, then I went to your website and I found out your amazing story about just, you know, your family coming from China and you going to Harvard and, and you achieving FIRE, retire, you know, fi financial independent retire early for those of you who don't know. So just like your story was incredible. And I, anybody who's not familiar with Shang or who doesn't know, um, who might not know your platform, could you give them a little bit of, um, of an introduction? to you and, and your story and what you're all about. Hi, Yanelli. So my name is Shang. I am a personal finance blogger and money coach at Save My Sense. And really, I'm here to encourage all of you to take charge of your money life by changing your mindset and also to inspire people with my own personal story. I'm currently part of the FIRE movement, the Financial Independence Retire Early. I call it work optional because I'm taking this year off to be with my son and to show that with a lot of determination and frugality, work optional can be possible for a lot of people. I love that term, work optional. I love it. It's like it, you have the you have pretty much once you have your money together, you give yourself the freedom to choose what you want to do with your time. That's really what I've learned so much about being in the personal finance space. And money is not necessarily about you know being all rich and having everything that you want to buy. Like that's what I used to think money was about, and now I realize it's actually about buying yourself your time back, giving yourself the option to do whatever you want with your time. And for you, that's being with your baby boy. Congratulations on being a new mom. Thank you. That's so sweet. Um, okay, so let's jump into a little bit um, of, of the fun stuff. I got a question, two questions for you, and then um, we'll jump into more of, of your story with your brand. So um, I like to ask this to everybody who comes on the show, which is the first question. If you could go back and think about all of the expensive purchases that you made in, your, in the past, like something that maybe was just way too expensive, and um, to this day you regret making that purchase, you just wish that you could go back and get that money back and never make that mistake. What do you think that uh, that purchase was for you? Yes. For me, it's not a physical item. It was a service. So I live in New York City. Yep. New York City is very crowded and dirty for what it is. And one year, <laughs> my neighbors were going through a renovation and cockroaches came from their apartment into oh. mine. Horrible. I hope yeah. people who are listening right now are not eating their food. I'm sorry if you are. Um, <laughs> so Terrible cockroach infestation. I tried traps. I tried poison. I tried all different kinds of things. I was so desperate. Yeah. One one day I just went online and I caught, called up an exterminator. They promised some like really fancy cockroach bomb or whatever they called it. They came mm. in. They I had to clear out my entire kitchen. They set off this chemical, sealed off my kitchen. And then a few hours later, we returned and we found, you know, dead insects. We're like, great. It seems to have worked. Seven days later, the little pests came back. I paid no. freaking $600 for this 
cockroach bomb deal oh. did not work. They would not refund it to me. And to this day, I still joke about how it was this awful service that I bought. Later on, as I learned, this is a great DIY tip for anyone who has to deal with this. Using sealing caulk, yep. seal off all cracks. And that's yes. actually the main way to get rid of cockroaches in New York. That is so true. I was actually about to say when I, I grew up in Bushwick in Brooklyn, which is like, you know, in the 90s, it was a very low income community, mostly Caribbean families. Everybody was, you know, on government assistance. It was just a kind of community that was like, you know, it wasn't a very affluent neighborhood. And it was always, it was always infested with roaches and mice. And like, that was just normal for you to have roaches in your kitchen or for you to have a, a, a mice running through your house. And so my mom always had traps out for the mice and everything. And then one year, I remember my dad, had he paid for the roaches to do similar thing, to put the bomb. We all, we put plastic around everything and we left to go to my sister's house. We came back and then my dad was talking to this guy. He's like, you know, that's not going to work. You have to get the caulking and just block off every little tiny, even if it's the tiniest little crack and you're not sure if something could come through there, yeah. put caulking on it because that's yes. the only way. Then they're trying to get in and they literally can't unless they come in through the front door. Yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, we learned, I remember when my dad learned that he covered every nook and cranny with caulking because you got to do what you got to do, right? You got to yep. do it. You got it. That's a, that's a good one, man. So I bet <laughs> now you do your research before you hire any service providers who offer some, you know, service to you. I bet you do your research now. <laughs> I do. I do. Awesome. Okay. So what about on the opposite side of that? So is there a purchase that you can remember making that you actually spent so much money on it, but you don't regret it? You're actually glad that you spend that money in that way. Yes. Well, it's actually the same topic. It's my home. Uh, mm -hmm. It is the largest purchase I made in my entire life. It's a yep. seven-figure uh, purchase. I don't call it an investment because I personally live in a home. And yes. for most people out there, when they say, oh, your home is an investment, I say only if you actually rent it out and you That's become right. a landlord. So it's a primary residence. It is fancy. It's in a great neighborhood. It's safe. And yes, it's a luxury. I don't need to buy a home right. in Manhattan. I can live anywhere else and save a lot more money but we bought it because we like the neighborhood and it's convenient for both my husband and I to commute to work we cut down a lot of transit time by staying in this area and we get to build community with our friends who also live near us so expensive worth it but I recognize <laughs> that you know every now and then you if you can and uh, you're able to and you can do something like this um, for your family for me, that was a worth it kind of purchase. Yeah, it's so funny. I was talking to Stephanie O'Connell earlier and um, she was saying a similar thing. She was saying that she spent tens of thousands of dollars on her wedding, but she she still, she can't get herself to ever say she wouldn't do it again. If she could do it again, she would because it was just the, the thing that she wanted to put those dollars towards. And for you, it sounds like you saved up that money for the house, for the purchase and worked so hard to invest a certain way to be able to build your life in a way that you could have the life you want. And if that includes that house in that neighborhood where, you know, next to those schools, next to the community that you've built for yourself, like that, what's the point of stacking up all that money in your investment accounts if you're just going to have it sitting there? You, the point is to put it to use to make you happy and to also like get things that, you know, you could potentially even make it an investment. If you, if you guys did decide to go to a smaller place, um, you could, you could make that into an investment. So yeah, yeah. Sounds like it was worth it to you. Uh, I love that. That sounds awesome. Okay. So up next, I want to kind of go back in time a little bit and have you share a little bit about your upbringing, because I know when I think about money and how I think about it and like my mentality around money has changed so much. 
a lot of what I used to think about money that I no longer believe was rooted in like early experiences or mm. early memories that I've had about either money lessons or conversations about money. So um, could you share any early memories about either lessons that you've had about money or experiences that you had? And, uh, you know, what, what do you remember about those early years of your life? Yes, my parents have been so influential in the way that I think about money in a positive way. We're an immigrant family. We left China when I was three years old. We moved all around Europe and then came wow. to the United States when I was 10. I know my parents, um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad had an academic salary. It's not a lot in any country. Professors don't make that much money, but they were so frugal. Even now, when I was young, I remember my mom would take me on all her shopping trips because she didn't have any childcare. And I watched her, you know, negotiate and go from store to store trying to find the best deal. My dad DIYed a lot of things uh, when it came to the house. He did all the yard work. He fixed everything. Wow. And mm -hmm. he would always negotiate, try to get the cable bill down, try to get the phone bill down. He bought a used car, all of those mm -hmm. things. So over, you know, the 18 years or so I stayed at home, my parents, that all added up and taught me the mentality of an immigrant, which is, you know, you don't really deserve anything. You work hard for it. And right. if you can spend less than you earn, you save money. And that's really important. That is amazing because, I mean, it's so funny how different um, your dad was as an immigrant to, compared to my dad, because my dad, when he came to this country, I, I didn't feel that, that, that vibe of like haggling and, and trying to get the cheapest rate. Like for me, I felt like my parents were a little bit more on the complacent side. Like they came to this country and they were like, we're just, we're just lucky to be here. We're just happy that they accepted us here and that we, we, we're able to live in this country and have better opportunities. So if they tell us the cable costs a hundred dollars then that's what it costs, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I just, I sort of, sometimes I go back and I think maybe if my parents had been a little more like that, like maybe I would have had more comfortability talking about things like negotiating about money and you know some of those uncomfortable things that we have to do um conversations we have to have maybe i would have been a little bit more comfortable if my dad and my mom had <laughs> modeled that for me but they didn't <laughs> um that's crazy so you were born in china you guys traveled all around europe you came to the states when you were 10 so now talk to us about like high school and college you went to harvard right Yes, so I talk, did. To us, talk to us about that transition, right? Like, you know, going from the, 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 the frugal lifestyle that you watched your parents um, create for you guys to be able to, to save enough money to be able to live the life they want. Then you go off to Harvard. Did you ever like experience imposter syndrome? Like when you got there, what was it like? You know, tell us about that. Yes. Um, with the exception of perhaps the brightest person in the whole world, everybody who enters Harvard goes, oh, crap, I'm the admissions mistake. How did I? here you know everybody around me is so smart so accomplished a million extracurricular activities and plays the violin while you know juggling balls with the other hand I don't know how people do it and um, during school it I was okay I actually had a great network of friends it was after I left college when things started really hitting me and I created so much pressure for myself my friends were getting onto this very famous list called the Forbes 30 under 30, where they feature a lot of entrepreneurs and media people, people in finance and consulting. And I was in one of those fields and I was busting my butt, you know, <laughs> trying to work really hard and, and hoping that I would make it on that list. And it became pretty apparent that I wasn't. And the year that I turned 30, I was just so crushed because oh. I had set this artificial goal, this goal of perfection in my head that that is somehow yes. what I'm destined to be, that that is what I should be doing. And I really, when everything came crashing down mentally in my head, I realized, wait, why are you setting yourself up with these arbitrary goals and milestones 
that the world decides. And that's what I started to really, you know, look deep within. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a Christian. I also realized that God loved me no matter what I did, no matter who I am and started developing the progress, not perfection mindset, mm, right? Yes. Like, yes, you know, you should do your best with what has been given you. We're not all given the same opportunities, yada, yada, yada. But I believe that I was put on earth for some mission, some purpose, and I'll do my best. And I don't know what it's going to end up being like. I don't know what things are going to happen tomorrow, but I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm my own worst critic and how I talk to myself really matters. I love that. You know why I love that so much? Because you took your, you're seeking validation in these external ways, looking for you to be on some list that Forbes creates, looking for you to get nominated by other people. You, you kind of, you scratched that and you turned it inward. You made it mm -hmm. an internal validation. Like what, what goals can I set for myself that have nothing to do with others? That's just me. That will make me proud of myself and happy with myself and, you know, feel achieved and feel like I am the person that I want to be every day when I wake up, right? That's, that yes. happens inside of you. That has nothing to do with what list you're on, what accolades you got, achievements. It has nothing to do with that. So I, I absolutely love that turning inward as just like as a larger message, right? When, whenever people seek validation externally, that maybe that's not the right place to go seeking validation and look more inward to yourself and what you want your life to be like. Um, absolutely. So I love that. Okay, so then you decided to go public with your brand. You decided to, uh, <laughs> somehow you made the decision to go and share what you're doing and fire and, and, and all of the savings and the habits and um, the wisdom that you have with everybody. What made you decide to establish the brand Save My Sense? Yes, I had been coaching people privately. Some people knew that I was sort of a you know frugal person or cheapskate, however, what, however way you want to describe me. But there yeah. were people in my life who had crushing student loan debt or consumer debt and they asked me to help coach them and for many of them I did that very privately but I found myself saying the same things over and over again I was like okay I kind of need to like write this down so that I can refer people to what I'm saying and then maybe a broader audience can benefit because this is a passion I'm not here to make money from it I have knock on wood I still hope to have a full-time job after all of this COVID stuff uh, you know is over and yeah. So that, that's how the um, platform got started. I had been blogging for a long time, but I figured I'd never really used Instagram before. So yeah. why don't I try Instagram? I don't know how to grow an audience on Instagram. I'm always curious. So I said, I'm going to try that. And it kind of got way bigger than I ever imagined it would be. So That's awesome. Well, if you guys do not follow Shang, she's on Save My Sense, Save My Sense, like, you know, Penny's Sense on Instagram. <laughs> Her feed is awesome. Like I just go on there and I see quotes, I see images, I see, and it's just so inspiring. It's empowering. It's never shaming or negative. It's never because like I see a lot of times in the personal finance world, there's this, there's a space that it could get a little negative, like, you know, like don't spend money on this, or you know, this is how to stay broke. And it's like framed in a in a negative way. But I've seen your feed just is so positive, it's so encouraging. And so definitely, you guys who are not following her, definitely go uh, follow her. Save my senses, an awesome, awesome, awesome Instagram follow for sure. And you're already over like 30K uh, followers, which is phenomenal. You are yeah. growing, -blowing. growing which, is, which is amazing because this goes to show that, and this is not about clout, but this is about the value and that people find in your content and why it continues to grow. So love that.
Okay, so I want to I want to talk about actually a recent post that you had um, about some tips and practical things that people can do, especially people right now during coronavirus that are struggling. I, I got a message from somebody that was saying specifically that they didn't expect. I think his name was Carlos. I'm going to just read it to you so we can give them advice. This is sort of in that practical tips. Um, okay. Area. So Carlos says he's 29 years old. He didn't expect any um, anything that would happen with coronavirus to happen. His girlfriend lost her job uh, due to coronavirus, and now they're only relying on his income, Carlos's income, which is not very high. But the good thing is that his company offers a great 401k, and he's been contributing 7% to get the match since he started three years ago. But now they're strapped for cash. And he's considering taking out a loan against his 401k because he knows he'll be able to pay himself back slowly instead of paying interest by borrowing money from someone else. But he's curious, Miss Be Helpful, do you think this is a good move to make? So let's talk about it. What do you think mm. about this topic, Sean? Yes, 401k loans look really attractive because what you're hearing is, oh, they're low interest or no interest. You're just borrowing against yourself. You can pay it back. Here's mm -hmm. the truth about 401k loans, though. The true interest rate that you're being charged is the market growth that you are missing out on. Yes, yes, yes. That mm -hmm. is so true. Yes. You have to do the math at the end of the day. They, they'll tell you it's no interest, but it, 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 you're essentially it's an opportunity cost is what it is. It is. Yeah. And that. I cannot guarantee, no one can guarantee that your investments will always go up. You know, that that's not something that anyone can say, but right. what's really important when it comes to saving for retirement is time. Time compounds, meaning that if the more you do earlier in life, the more you get over a compounded period. So if you take out that loan against the 401k, you're actually setting yourself backwards and really hurting yourself. And let's say, uh, God forbid that, you know, Carlos loses the job associated with that 401k, the loan that you took out on the 401k becomes due. Yeah. And it so becomes due immediately. It, it becomes due immediately. It's not like exactly. you can take your time to pay it back. It's like, okay, give us that money back right now. Yes. Um, and, and especially right now during the coronavirus times, and it's the beginning of it. So we don't really mm -hmm. know how the pandemic is going to play out. And so that's a, a great point, Carlos, that you should consider because if you think about it, she just lost her job. You guys didn't expect that. What if your job becomes an unreliable source of income soon and you now took out that loan? Like you don't want to put yourself in that position unless you really calculated every detail out and you know that your job is so super secure, which I mean, nobody can really know that right now. Right. But there's, a, there's I don't even think my job is secure. So, you know, we're all in the same boat about it. Nobody really knows about job security right now. Um, but also the other point, which I think is super important to make is that when you invest your money into your 401k, it's pre-tax income, which means that your money's coming out before the, the taxes were taken out of your check. Yeah. That is a deal because you're getting to put money in, including the money that you would have had to pay in taxes. Nope. It all gets to go into the investment account. But then when you take a loan out against yourself for your 401k mm -hmm. and you're starting you're not paying it back with pre-tax income. Nope. You're paying it back with money that's been taxed. So you don't get the benefit of that pre-tax, um, the tax advantage of a 401k. You're sort of missing out on that when you go to pay your loan back. So it's really important to know all these things before you 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 make that move. It's not that you shouldn't do it and that this is like hard, hard no. But the point is that if you don't know all these things and you're making a decision, then you're making an uninformed decision. You got to know all the factors before, I think you should know all the factors before you make a financial choice like that. Mm -hmm. Yep. These are hard times. These are unusual and hard times. 
you know, losing your job because of the economic environment is not your fault. I know a lot of people think, oh, what could I have done better? It wasn't my fault. I got laid off. It's so easy to have all these emotions. It's hard. I don't blame you guys for being in this situation and you shouldn't blame yourselves, but try to do whatever you can to make informed, rational decisions. Take your time. Don't let the emotions rush over you because when you make mostly emotional decisions when it comes to finance, they tend to be not as good than if you just took some time to think about it and think through all of your options. Absolutely. There's um, an amazing uh, behavioral finance book written by a behavioral economist, Daniel Kahneman, and also in Tversky, they, they, they both wrote the book, I believe, but it's called um, Thinking Fast and mm-hmm. Thinking Fast and Slow. And it just talks about how your brain has two parts, system one part of your brain and system two part of your brain. You got to be making sure that because when you make a decision, system one is going to tell you to, to make the, the gut reaction decision. Like, don't even think much about it. Just make the decision you think is right, right away with your gut. But system two brain is actually the better part of your brain for making financial decisions because it forces you to slow down and consider all the information and make a a more informed choice. I think what you're saying is perfect because it's like the thinking brain versus the feeling brain. Mm. Don't let the feeling brain take over. Use the thinking brain. (laughs) Use the thinking brain. Yes. Um, Awesome. And then I guess, Carlos, the other thing I would say here is like you said that your um, that your wife uh, lost her job unexpectedly. I don't know what state you wrote me from, but you definitely got to immediately go on the state website, the state's uh, unemployment site and get your wife to even if it takes hours and hours. I have a friend who recently lost her job. It took her like literally 200 phone calls in one day to be able to get through to the unemployment, um, you know, office mm-hmm. from her particular state. And so I know it's annoying, but you know, Hey, now's the time you've got a full day of, of free time on a Friday, make those calls and get through the unemployment and make sure that application goes through for her because your wife right now is, you know, entitled to the, those unemployment dollars and she, and you've got to take advantage of that as annoying as it's going to be to be on the phone. It's going to be worth it. Absolutely. Take charge of your money. Yes, take charge of your money. Okay, well, um, I would love to end, Sean, with just asking you if you could change every physical dollar bill to say anything that you want so that when somebody's giving their kid a dollar or when someone's paying for something at the store, everybody who touches money will see this message or this motto, that the slogan that you're going to put on every dollar bill. Um, what would it be? I love this question. And I think the number one mindset, number one mantra that I share with everybody I didn't invent it, but I love it. It's called, I get to. Think of everything that you've ever said in your life. I have to get up. I have to go to work. I have to brush my teeth. I have to wash my hands for 20 seconds. I have to shelter in place and turn it all into, I get to. I get to go to work. I get to wash my hands with clean water and and things like that. We, We all often forget the little things in life that we can be grateful for. And like I said before, it's all about that internal drive, right? The internal energy that you got to keep to stay positive, no matter what happens in the world, no matter what other people say about you, this I get to mantra is part of that. That's the, it's the little engine, the little fire that I want you to light in yourself to be on that path towards more positivity. And that then invites in abundance and success and opportunities later on in life. I love that so much. And it because it could be such a simple thing. Like, you know, I have to go walk the dog or I have to go take my kids to school. No, I get to walk my dog. Do you know how many people who, um, you know, for example, handicapped individuals who can't walk are probably mm-hmm. thinking to themselves, you, 
are you kidding me? I wish I could get up out of this wheelchair and walk a dog. That would be amazing, right? And so here you are complaining about something that so many other people wish that they could do. And if yeah. you could frame it that way in your mind, you'd be so much more grateful for the little things in life that, you know, that make up the way that you live your life. And I, I just love that because I think it could be used in so many ways, financially, you know, personal, personally, and, and to yes. just inspire you in so many little situations. That's, um, that's a great one. So I get to dot, dot, dot. That's what's going to be on your dollar bill. Yes. Um, very cool. Well, thank you so much, Shung, for your time today, for your energy. Your story is incredible. It's phenomenal and so inspiring. And um, for those people listening or watching um, who've been inspired by you, if they want to reach out to you or find you online besides Instagram, where can they find you and how can they learn more about you or contact you? Yes. Instagram is my main platform, but I also blog for those who are not on social media on savemysense.com. My emails on everywhere. You can always get in contact with me. I'm here to really help you guys out. And Yanelli, you are so incredible. I love your energy on this call. This is so fun. And I really hope that you guys see how helpful she is too in sharing all of these resources with you guys. Thank you so much, Sean. All right, you guys heard it from her. Where to find her? Go follow the blog, go on social media and follow her on Instagram. Show her some love. Um, thank you again, Sean. And have a great rest of your day and uh, rest of your weekend. Thank you. 